The Full Exposure Podcast is brought to you by Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn, in appreciation of the creative and artistic visionaries who enrich our lives through cultural connections. <laughs> okay. All right. This is, this is the part. This is the part where I got to say, hey, 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 everybody. So, hey, 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 everybody. Thanks for uh, jumping into the podcast with us. This is part two of an epic interview with Governor Slugwell, the godfather of Grand Rapids Hip Hop. Um, If you listened to episode one, you know why I was getting so much feedback about that episode. Positive, amazing feedback about Governor Slugwell, about uh, just all kinds of things that are in that episode. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, uh, double back, listen to that, then come back here to part two. Um... We pick up in this episode talking, uh, I, I just basically go to school about hip-hop with Governor Slugwell. We talk about the ministers of authentic hip-hop. Um, and, you know, he said it was a Jedi Council. No doubt, that's a Jedi Council of hip-hop. And um, anyway, uh, the other part of this episode, which is really the reason I wanted to talk to Governor Slugwell uh, at this point was he's adapting a book, a very important book, into a documentary in Grand Rapids. He's got many different uh, producers with him on this project, but uh, there's a, a well-known book now, especially in the last couple of years, uh, written by an author named Todd E. Robinson. And the title of that book is A City Within a City, The Black Freedom Struggle in Grand Rapids. And uh, he coined a term, Todd E. Robinson, in this book that made some shockwaves and got people to think differently about racism in the community of Grand Rapids. And the term he coined is called, quote, managerial racism. And that's a term he used to describe the force that a lot of people in the black and brown communities in Grand Rapids feel every day. They felt it through the uh, civil rights struggle in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And I'm excited that uh, Governor Slugwell and his cohorts are uh, adapting this book to a documentary. And production is beginning this summer. And in fact, you have an opportunity to uh, involve yourself in this documentary if you have a story or you survived the 1967 riot in Grand Rapids and other uh, stories that you may have personally about the civil rights movement in Grand Rapids. So uh, you can reach out to Governor Slugwell. Contact info is on his episode page at fullexposurepodcast.com. You know, it's uh, I just admire Governor Slugwell so much. Uh, I hope you enjoy part two of this episode. So without further do as they say it's very hard not to say that i'm sorry but anyway let's explore the bigger picture with the godfather of grand rapids hip-hop film producer and all-around awesome community leader guy uh governor slugwell let me let me let me paint there's like a, a jedi council <laughs> yeah. of, of authentic hip hoppers sure. around sure. around the world, right? Yeah. Like five people. Sure. Uh, KRS One, mm-hmm. uh, Minister Server, Chuck D, um, Malik One. Like not even Chuck D is in this group. Okay, cool. Um, it was the but, only dude I could think of. Quite <laughs> but these are people who really see and twenty five years ago saw hip hop. As a culture, Chuck D saw it as a subculture. Yeah, um, but these are people who really saw it as a culture, as a lifesaver. What we call hip hop cultural spe- specialists mm-hmm. or their ministers. Yeah, right. Right. Is um, Talib one of those? No. Okay. No. Right. <laughs> I like <laughs> his podcast. <laughs> so, like I said, these are these are. I'm gonna. I'm, Gov, I'm just gonna shut up now and listen. I'm gonna stop throwing. <laughs> no, out I just, I just gave you some names. These are these are names. These are not rappers. <laughs> Um, these are yeah. people who, you know, Karis One is the only yeah. rapper. But um, the, are you familiar with the Temple of Hip Hop? No. no, you're not. Hmm. So this is. See, I'm going to go to school now. Temple of Hip Hop is an institution that was started by Karis One in 1997. 
Um, and it's based on the philosophy. It, well, it picks up on the philosophy that was taught by the Zulu Nation that was created by Africa Bambada. Mm. And so Africa Bambada is the Amen Ra. He's the godfather of hip-hop. Um, he's the person to take hip-hop global around the world. And he's the person that literally created the first philosophies uh, and, and put the element, brought the elements together. Okay, mm. There's graffiti art. There's breaking. There's DJing, a.k.a. turntablism. Mm. There's emceeing. Um, and there's the knowledge yeah, the knowledge is the fifth element, and to me, it's the fifth and most important element. Um, because if you don't have knowledge of self, knowledge of your art, your craft, how great of an MC can you be? How great of a DJ mm. can you really be? Right. How great of a graffiti artist can you really be if you're not tapping into your self. your inner self yeah. to to bring about your best art? So that the knowledge is the, and that's the one thing that mainstream media misses out on, and I think it's per, on purpose because they just want to exploit, yeah, the arts. And you can't exploit me if I know who I am. Right. If I know my value, my worth, you yeah. can't exploit me. In your history, right? In my history, right? But that's the thing that Africa Bombada brought to the table, um, and then Karis One picked up where Africa Bombada left off with the Temple of Hip Hop and okay. continued to develop. The culture, right? So while the mainstream media is manipulating and uh, raping the arts, uh, the the actual culture is being continued to continue to develop the culture. And so it's really funny how it came about. Um, I didn't really know anything about the Temple of Hip Hop, but there's a friend of mine, uh, Paul G, Chef Paul G, whatever, bro. If you out there, if you ever hear this, um, he he saw me. On uh, he's a friend of mine on Facebook. We didn't know each other, but he's just somebody that followed me on Facebook for whatever reason. And he reached out to me one day and said, "Hey man, like some of the philosophies and things that you share on Facebook sound a lot like some friends, some guys that I know that I'd like to introduce you to." I'm like really, like I don't know anybody else that thinks like me, or you know, sure, yeah. like there's nobody around Grand Rapids. Like this is a setup. Yeah. <laughs> there's only one other person that I met, and her name was Wisdom Selah. Shout out to Wisdom. Oh, um, I was friends with her for yeah on Facebook for a while. Yeah, that's my girl. She was the vice president of the Hip Hop Coalition, so she was working right along with me when we were doing I'll all never that great stuff. Her name. I wonder why. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, she was working with me. She's my Cody. And um, so we it was me and her. Oh, this goes way back. I even reached out to her. I think I needed some, I was working on the, this is funny. I was working on a portrait project in um, in Detroit. And I just asked sort of randomly for anyone who might be connected to older school hip hop. Like basically some M's crew. I wasn't looking to get to Eminem, but just like... Um, you know all all those all those people like Dilla and you know like uh, whatever, but the point was uh, she she um, she knew some of the original um, people around M and anyway it didn't it didn't go anywhere mostly on my end but it was just like she had some connects to yeah. some people over there okay. and I was trying to get to like Black Milk I just like Black Milk his music and stuff and I was like uh, I don't know anyway right. it was dumb aside but anyway wisdom yeah so um, it's me and wisdom we, we're like a likes you know so we're like the only people that I know that think like we think and like relate to hip hop culture the way that we relate to it and but this guy Chef Paul G he reaches out to me and um, he's like no I'm telling you like these guys share some of the same you know like you don't hear this from anybody else He's like, would you mind if I uh, reach out to him and tell him about you? I'm like, yeah, sure. So he reaches out, and he comes back. He's like, can you do me a favor? Can you write me like a like a a, a bio or, you know, just like a, a couple paragraphs about your philosophy on hip-hop? Sure. I sent it, and he's like, dude, like, <laughs> they're going to be calling you, right? Mm -hmm. He's like... And I'm like, who, who are these people? He's like, this is the temple of hip-hop. You know, this is... And so 
sure enough, I get a call from this uh, is a guy, Malik One. There's a guy named Professor Z. There's the Blastmaster Karis One. Mm-hmm. There's the Minister Server, right? And these were the only guys at the time that were like really this think Shaking, tank, thinking this think about tank, the culture. Yeah, thinking about the culture. And uh, they reached out. They're like, "Yo, like, dude, you're a Jedi. Like, you're one of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's like there's four of us, and now it's five. You're the only other. You're like the fifth person in the world that thinks like this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, we've been all over the planet with the teacher Karis one. We've been everywhere. You're the only. You're the fifth person that we've ever come across that relates to hip hop culture the way that we do, the way that you do. And you did that. Completely disconnected from them. You had, Completely, you had never yeah. heard about them. You weren't reading about them. I mean, it, you, of course, you knew KRS one. Yeah, but it was just yeah. it was just like I said. But you know, because yeah, I always, you know, it meant when I heard Run DMC say that line. Yeah, yeah. It touched my soul. Like yeah. it, it was a proverb to me. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? When I, Houdini, all the yeah. the entire black and back and black album is right. gospel. You know yeah. what I'm saying? When I heard Rock him. Say all the many proverbs that he said, and that little yeah. cool J. It's like I just related to him different than most people related yeah. to him. Like I just really like they just really in- impacted me, and so yeah. uh, you know when I connected with them, it was like okay, it's a brotherhood. Like yeah. wow, and I went back to wisdom. I was like, no, there's one more other person. It's wisdom Selah. Like yeah. <laughs> we're here, like we're stranded on this island together. Grand Rapids, like me and her, like we're we're two people over here. Like okay, so yeah. we got like six people in the world that really identify and relate to what we're doing, and we're just you know trying to you know keep developing and building. I'm like okay, so it was dope to know that we weren't alone and that yeah. you know that we were actually uh, well, yeah, and it's cool that. Uh, those principles were also what kept you, you know, you, you had your, your aha moment about these proverbs to follow and to model your life after that kept you on a path straighter where you could have easily, uh, with success as a teenager and going to Detroit and still in high school and doing this stuff and getting some best special privileges. I mean, you could have gone any yeah, any particular direction, but you chose this path that was uh, more about the culture and what it can mean in its positivity and its full positivity. And that's amazing. But I want to pivot before, unless we left something super vital out, which I, I, I feel like everything's vital. With it this. is. I mean, let me just add <laughs> yeah, on to the sure. point that to take it back to the beginning, um, you know, it's important for people to know that hip hop was birthed out of uh, violence, right? So in the in the early seventies, New York City was plagued with gangs, mm-hmm. and uh, Africa Bombada himself was a member of one of the largest gangs in New York City called the Black Spades. So it's important to know where where it came from. You know, like this wasn't beef, it was. Hip-hop as a culture was practiced for seven years in the streets of New York before a, a rap record was made, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody ever had a thought of making a rap record. It really wasn't right. a thing um, right. until somebody came from outside and said, hey, we can turn that into a record. We can make some money doing that. Yeah. But it wasn't a thought to anybody. Um, these are kids that were raised in the most harsh conditions that America's probably seen. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you've ever been up to the Bronx, um, I got to see it in 89. It was still yeah, it was like a war, war zone. zone. Yeah, yeah, in 89. So growing up in that, all of these gangs, it was gang infested, drugs everywhere. So hip hop was created as a means of overcoming the violence and the just the depression, depression, the, the yeah. oppressive uh, system and um, you know lifestyle that people were growing up in, they needed something positive. And so, for African Bombada to be able to flip instead of gang wars, you know, we can we can battle it out with sound systems. Yeah. So you bring your crew and I'll bring my crew and whoever has the loudest, best sound system, whoever gets the best response from the crowd has the most juice. Yeah. Whoever is the best MC on the mic, whoever, you know. Yeah, so it diffused to, a lot of the, the physical violence. A lot of the killing and yeah. stuff towards, you know, the, 
the end of the 70s and going into the 80s. Like, so people need to understand that. And when you understand that, you know, you peace, love, unity, safely having fun, health, love, awareness, and wealth. These are principles and tenets of hip-hop culture that we live by. None of this says, you know, uh, pop pills, uh, drink yourself into a stupor, uh, rape, pillage, you know. It's it's not about that. And so if people understand the origin and what, you know, how it was birthed, then, you know, that's that's the true essence of what I call authentic hip-hop culture. Yeah. You know, you can be my ock. Yeah. Right? (laughs) You be my ock if you understand that. Peace, love, unity, safely having fun, help, love, awareness, and wealth. Yeah. These are the things that are important to us in hip hop culture. Um, well, that's amazing. I yeah, because even uh, just listening to this and knowing um, just your knowledge around it, but the the origin of it makes perfect sense to me. You know, just that it it the purity of that really turned a horrible life. Of violence in the communities that just were plagued with violence, and eventually, over time, were able to um, create this other art form that united people, even though they were battling. But it wasn't; it didn't end in death. Yeah, right. You know, it inspired you to go back and write better (laughs) rhymes. Better, absolutely. Uh, Well, uh, next up uh, is under your umbrella of many efforts is. Film production and creating film stuff, and I, that's okay. what really was the catalyst for me to reach out to you. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, other than I was going to get to you eventually, but I had read that you're involved with this film production about this book that is called A City Within a City, and it's had another printing. Like it's in in a lot of this, uh, it's called The Black Freedom Struggle in Grand Rapids, Michigan, by Todd E. Robinson. And I'll just set it up, and then you tell me how you got involved with it. But um, this book, uh, a lot with the the riots uh, and, and unrest and the focus on police brutality, there's a lot of people that are picking this book up again, which is basically the history of the civil rights movement and the black struggle, specifically through the prism of what events that occurred in Grand Rapids. Right. And it's a very thick, dense academic book it was actually what a dissertation yes that todd robinson the author was writing and but it's a vital vital uh document as to how um, our city has battled in that era but still continues to battle against racism systemic problems all Mm -hmm. kinds of things um but I caught wind that you were uh, somehow my my wife was involved because she kept seeing this. Uh, my wife said, "Hey, there's a uh, there's a film being made, a documentary. And don't you have this book?" You know, I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I have this book. I've been trying to read it." And uh, <laughs> I, 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 well, it's it, it it's a fascinating book. Yeah. I'm not a great right. Like I don't read a lot of books like right. cover to cover, right? right? And this is enough of a dissertation with the whole back half is like footnotes yeah. and, uh, and annotations and, and right. other things. So it's a, an academic view, but I was definitely um, very much inspired to read I think I bought it two years ago, and I picked it up and put it down over those course of two years. And then right. uh, when I knew you were coming out, I revisited it again and learned a whole bunch of stuff. But <laughs> tell me your desire to pivot to film and film production. And then how did this opportunity to create a documentary about a city within a city based on this particular book? Well, film, film goes right in hand with music and, yeah. you know, vice versa. So it's it's not a stretch that me being in the music world, um, you know, would want to get into film, um, you know, so whether that's... No, I 100% telling, agree. Yeah, telling hip-hop stories and, you know... Telling my own story, whatever it is, um, you know, it was right there. So me and my partner uh, Rodney Brown, we we went back and forth about this for years. Like, we want to get into film, we want to get in there, we want to do documentaries, and we tell your just, stories, yeah, our just story. trying to figure out the best way to go about doing it. And we both have a real fascination with the history of Grand Rapids and the many people from like. So I explained DeBarge living a stone's throw from my house and going to school with them. His uncle was Palmer James. Um, so we both had these experiences with rich, deep music experiences in Grand Rapids. Um, for those who don't know, Palmer James is the guy who discovered Al Green. 
mm. and produced oh, yeah. Al Green's first hit record, Backup Train. Thanks for filling um, in that. And Al Green, for people that don't know, lived for a period of time in Grand Rapids. Yeah, yeah. Al Green. Uh, not a long time. But well, not a long enough. time, but he That we claim him. If anyone stays here more than a weekend, they're from Grand Rapids. <laughs> Al Green's from Grand Rapids. Oh, if you go to high school in Grand Rapids, you're from Grand Rapids. That's a, that's a big conversation, too. It's like, what, what makes you from a place? Where? How do you, you know, because people move from here to Detroit, yeah. I mean, or New York, and two years later, they're from Detroit. You're seeing them change their Facebook. They're like, yeah. you're not from Detroit. You're not from Brooklyn. Get out of here with that. You're like, cut it the out. The biggest pet peeve is people that say they're from Detroit, and they're really from, like, Farmington Hills or, yeah, or like, right. you know, like, like, Waterford. You're not from Detroit. Get it was like the same thing. So we always have Novi. We've no, always you're not had Detroit. these conversations of yeah. what make my wife is from St. Louis, right? So she moved here when she was like twelve, right? And she to this day, I'm from St. Louis. You're not from <laughs> St. Louis, man. You went to middle school and high school in Grand Rapids. You're from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Up. Cut it out. If I see her, if I ever meet her, I'm going to tell her to update her profile. Right. Grand Rapids. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, cut it out. You're from Grand Rapids. So we all, you know, Al Green is one of those. He moved here when he was eight. Dude, you graduated from high school. You're from Grand Rapids. Cut it out. Like, yeah. stop it. Like, so, I don't want to hear that. So Paul discovered him. Yeah, so then, Palmer, Palmer yeah, James. Palmer, Palmer James was a virtuoso whirlwind music producer like he this is a guy that was the Barry Gordy of Grand Rapids um had multiple record labels he's putting out hundreds of artists and records and stuff back in the uh 60s uh incredible so uh you know he's like that early story of Grand sure. Rapids um and it's so so we me and Rodney you know what's sad this should just and let's get more to the book too is yeah. it, it's sad I've never heard of Palmer you know, like me as a whatever, and I'm. I think I'm more interested in some of the R and B and some of the popular music yeah. of, of that era of the from the late '60s through late '80s that I wouldn't even know other than Al Green had some vague uh, affiliation with Grand Rapids for you know his high school years and things. That I don't even never heard of Palmer, and here he was the Barry Gordy of Grand Rapids. Yeah. You know? So it's it's and it's. A thousand other stories. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so yeah. that's like yeah, yeah. so that's the thing that drives. It's not me. an accident, too. We'll get yeah, to that. that's the thing yeah. that drives me and Rodney because we, you know, a lot of these stories that are in the book, like these people were mentors to us uh, that we've grown up with as teachers, as counselors, as you know, older people from the neighborhood. Um, so you know, we know these incredible stories. It's like we've got to get these stories out here like it's trash it's tragic it's a it's a it's just a crime against the children coming in the future in grand rabbits black children in particular but all children yeah that don't know this incredibly rich history that were, you know that's being kept from us so where this book comes in is there's so many he revealed so many stories when you think about the story of emmett bolden Emmett Bowden being one of the first civil rights cases in the history of the United States, hmm. and it happened right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. And for us to grow up and not know that, yeah, is it's a crime. We're yeah. not, we weren't educated. Yeah, how are we educated? And this happened in Grand. We teaching yeah. us about Rosa Parks, but you don't teach, teach us about Emmett Bowden. Exactly. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of gaps in that. In that. In the. In the in the framework of the textbooks around history. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's the famous line? It's uh, whoever has power writes history. Oh, yeah, yeah. History is written by right. the winners. Yeah, exactly. You there know, you so yeah, all of our history uh, as African-Americans, black folks uh, born and raised or, you know, living in Grand Rapids is not shared. It's, it's like covered up. Yeah. You know, Covered up. Hide well, that. I think that's why it's interesting that this book has percolated. I forget when it was written. Uh, 2012. So it's fairly it recent, was... but uh, you know, it's one of these books that you know they probably didn't. They'd be thrilled if they sold a thousand copies of it. Absolutely. You he, know, he, he was told it would sell 300 copies. Yeah, and it was probably <laughs> would have been his uh, classes in college or something. Yeah, you know, some professor gonna, assigned gonna, it. Yeah, we're gonna... 
But now it's percolated back up because I think what, if anything is positive out of the next, well, there's, there's positives happening because they're necessary, but people are awakening. I'm speaking to the larger community, largely white people are becoming more interested in why, why is there unrest? Why are there police patrols like there are? Why are we over-policed in certain communities and all these things and asking these questions? Because if you just live in your own little world and you go from your house to where you work and then you go bring your kids to practice and this and that, you don't have a collision to know what's happening in other parts of the community, right. which also talks about how segregated <laughs> Grand Rapids is right. and being one of the most segregated cities in the country, which he talks about in the book. But let me just set, uh, you set the opportunity to, again, frame a little bit more about what this book is and does and why it should be a documentary uh, outside of uh, obviously amplifying these very, very important stories that don't get into textbooks, don't get into our local history classes, aren't written about in the media. There's no monument to these people that I know of necessarily that should be celebrated in that way. So what is the book really about? What touch points does it hit? And then this documentary sort of help connect those the, dots for The me. author coined a term in the book called managerial racism. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those, when, when he said that, it, that's something that just makes you step back and say, wow, what, like we've never heard that term before. before. Um, what exactly is that? And why is he prescribing that to Grand Rabbits? Like, um, what makes... You know, we have systemic racism, mm-hmm. but what makes Grand Rabbits different that he called our, the racism that we're experiencing here, managerial racism? Hold on one second. Okay, sorry. We got uh, interrupted in the studio, but you you talked about managerial racism. Let's tee that up, and then we'll take it right from there. So the author, Todd Robinson, coined the phrase? Managerial racism, mm-hmm. uh, which... I think it made everyone step back and say, "What? What does that mean? What's? How is that different from systemic racism? And why did he prescribe that term to Grand Rabbits? And what's taking place here? Um, for Black folks, you know, just to to really uh, hear that term and to hear how him, he described it brought a sense of relief because it's like, oh, that's what we've been feeling. Like we've been." running uphill mm-hmm. uh, with mudslide coming down and the fan blowing against us, like that force that we've been feeling our entire lives that just... It snapped a term and articulated like, it. Quite. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, it made so much sense. Like, that's exactly what we've been feeling, like, mm-hmm. is that we've been running up against this force field that we can't see, um, but he described it as being managing, like you're uh, being managed, you're in a a relationship that you think is a relationship um, with, 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 with the system, with uh, whites that are in power, but you're not actually in a relationship with these people at all. You are being managed. They're just controlling you like a pawn. Um, you know, they allow you to put you in a position to where you can get a little bit of success Enough to be, feel comfortable, you know. I got a house, I got a car, uh, maybe, mm-hmm. um, it, but that's it. Like, there's no right. uh, way for you to progress further than that, um, and you know they're not gonna mm-hmm. make it easy for you to. Uh, and how achieve. are those boundaries sort of expressed? Uh, you know, it can be an education, it can be job opportunity, it can be real estate and loan and finance, all these things. But these are all parts of a puzzle that create, you know, well, predictable managed outcomes, right? Yeah, so you got all of the, the things on the national basis that happens, you know, redlining and all that sort of thing that take, takes place to everybody. But, you know, um, like we talked about, nothing, you know, in Grand Rapids probably paints a clearer picture than when you look at the Third Ward and you see the lack of investment that's taking place in the Third Ward you see uh, what's taking place with the education system. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, a, it's clear, it's a clear picture um, of that black and brown kids are being left out. Um, 
you know, when you just... Well, it was amazing to me when the, in the city or the county, I forget which, I think it was the city, Grand Rapids Commission, that study. And then it came out, and it was an unvarnished look at investment dollars by reward and all the money's going downtown uh, to the... Um, you know, the basic financial district, the traditional hub of business and mm-hmm. entertainment. And the last ward is third with over, there was over a billion dollars invested into over a 10 year period, I right. think, into downtown Grand Rapids and less than I think it was 10 million or something incredible. Yeah. You may have been less, less than that, less than yeah. that <laughs> into the third ward. Yeah. And you go, why? Why is this? Yeah. Why is this? Right. This isn't an accident. And they'll point to, well, progress where where, you know. But it's it's so upside down and sideways. And then you talk about racially where people live in town, where these districts that were created right. largely through this management. Right. Uh intentionally, right. you know, over time, but it, it, it becomes such part of our, our lives that it becomes, if you don't, if you're not affected as a black and brown person, if you're a white person, it's kind of invisible and you just kind of don't even think about it. Right. And decades go by. Yeah. And and no progress it's, is made. And and I think what's important about this book is it 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 talks about exactly the struggle. It points to a lot of these problems and how they were managed and how they were still, despite the civil rights movement, tried to be corralled and minimized. Yeah, it's really incredible. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it when you get to talking about, I mean, you know, like, um, you know, there's just a lot of philosophy. One of the things that this book has taught me is a lot of philosophies, um, you know, at, at hand too. Um I've matured while working on this film <laughs> because I, I was, before this, I was a lot harsher uh, to people for the decisions that they make or, or you know, not necessarily. This book has, taught, has tempered me a little bit and taught me to have a little more patience um, and not to be so judgmental. Really? Yeah. Because um, you almost have a toolkit to be angry. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have like a document to point to that says this yeah. is our history and it isn't a lot better than it was in the 70s and the 60s. It's, it's worse. Yeah. We're, we're worse. So how does that temper we're, you, we're, Governor? Well, <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, that's an amazing statement yeah. that you made, that you've matured through it. And I'm not saying it needs to, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, but it's your experience. I think for some People, white, like I'm just awakening to some of the anger around it. That, yeah. what do you mean this is happening all this time? Because it really is. Like, how was I this dumb? How did I not see this? It's incredible. But you've and, gained and, more and, patience. And what, and, what's, no, what's really funny to me is that I, I have uh, felt that sentiment from several allies. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, I'm ready to tear shit up. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I felt that. I mean, I've said it on the podcast before, but I was talking to Jonathan. Right, it was right after the riots. Jonathan Chunks. Yeah. I, I was like, uh, I, I'm not weeping for any windows. Right. Absolutely not. You know. Absolutely. I, not. You know, it was cleaned up by right. eleven o'clock the next, the next day. day. Yeah, ridiculousness. Yes. Yeah. And and people are all like clutching their pearls around. Right. <gasps> oh. All this violence downtown, and, right? But the overreaction of having M, you know, armored personnel and tanks and all this stuff that moved in the next day—it's like, are you kidding I, me? This is exactly what the problem is. You know what? I'm just listen. Yeah. All right. So I opened a can. I, I, yeah, still. I like this goes so deep. Like I, I did um, a, the rally on my May 30th, mm-hmm. right downtown. Yeah. So I was there. Uh, we had a group of people that were rallying. The group of people marched out, right? Yeah. And I'm there at Rosa Parks cleaning up 45 minutes later, uh, me and my family. Before the right, you're talking about before. Uh, you're yeah, talking before. about, the, yeah, this, the, 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 the peaceful, yeah. the great event, yeah. you know, community yeah. came together, <clears throat> blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, there were, there were snipers on the roof. All day, like two o'clock in the afternoon, twelve noon, three o'clock, there were snipers on the roof set up. Six o'clock came, the marchers went out, 
645, I'm there cleaning up. It's empty to the point I drove my park my, my car up the drive and into Rosa Park Circle where you know, so everybody's yeah. gone. Right. And then there was a group of about a hundred people that showed up, white folks, mm-hmm. strapped up, ready, you know, yeah, boots, yeah, boots, combat boots on. They they're got, not from the community. They're they not came, from they, the they community. They came from the sticks. The they same, don't, these are the same people that, well, I don't know specifically about the events of that night, but it's the type of play that's made where people come in from outside the community and cause a bunch of problems. Yeah, they, they came yeah. in like, where do we go? They didn't know, you know, yeah, right. you could tell they didn't know where they were Where's at. Where's the police station? Where, where, they didn't yeah. know where the yeah. police station, none of that. We're yeah. like, oh, the police station is like <laughs> two blocks up, right? They had no idea yeah. where they were going, but they showed up. Where's everybody at? What's happening? Like, okay. Like, yeah. I didn't, Something's at the time, I wasn't up on Antifa and all yeah, of this yeah. different stuff, but I knew that this was looked like shady business. It didn't look right. You know, they came with the milk and yeah. the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, like, this is weird. But Yeah, and milk being that they were ready for tear gas and pepper yeah. spray to to continue to fight through that stuff. By yeah, using and it milk. was like, yeah. I just, I, I was just ignorant at, yeah. at that moment. I was ignorant until... Well, no one anticipated that necessarily. Right. But, like, but it did. That was the shame, as I remember watching the, the news... Broadcast and there was someone were live streaming on Facebook and uh, you know there was a, some nice speeches and some unity and there's a lot of families down there during the day that could be with their kids you yeah. know allies I would consider them allies there was a cross section of the community I mean during the day it was nice yeah, yeah. it was nice uh, you know you had a few people that wanted to oh I'm I'm going to tear some stuff up you had a, a two or three of those sure. yeah. that we had to like okay why are you here like you know yeah, you're not you're, yeah you're not part of what yeah. we're doing here. Uh, but for the most part, it was overwhelmingly people that wanted to express themselves, wanted to, but nobody came to to break windows and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And then, later. like I said, you had six forty-five, seven o'clock. This group of a hundred folks that came from the west, uh, you know, like wherever they parked their cars across the river, they walked yeah. over and, yeah. like, yeah, they came to tear stuff up. And um, my thing was like, I'm like, come on, man, like. The police, they knew this. Like they had, they knew enough to have snipers on the roof during the day. They knew that these people, the yeah. chance that these people were coming were, you know. Yeah. And when you watched it on the news at ten o'clock, it was just a lot of it was allowed to happen. Um, I didn't see the police didn't. I didn't see the police arrest anybody until like three in the morning. And they they yeah. on, they have it on record. They only arrested one. Was that one person that I saw got arrested the whole night? They sat and watched the entire thing happen. Yeah, supposedly they arrested some people later based on surveillance. But it was yeah, so shocking. Shocking. Yeah. The number of people were not rounded up, and there was no prevention. And, there was no no, and they uh, you know whatever. Uh, <laughs> I've talked. To, I, I would love to hear more of your your personal experience with that. I've talked about the riot just a, a lot with uh, Joe Jones and um, you know Jonathan and other almost everybody. D- Dustin Dwyer from Michigan Radio who reported the whole night. Yeah. But I I want to tie it back to the book and the film because um, the interest in this book is in this. You know, we had a national unrest with George Floyd and so many other people. The an awakening around this things, but it's really. This is a book written in 2012 and talks about decades ago, 60s, 50s, 60s, and and 70s. And, but back to the documentary and how you're going to, you know, I'm excited about seeing how this documentary can come together to further give a visual and these audio stories, first person things, and however you want to connect it. It's going to be a fascinating project. Yeah, it's, you know, so just the history, so the history of Grand Rapids, you know, you're speaking of uprisings. Uh, we had a 67 uprising. My mom was a part of that. She was shot by the police in the 67 she uprising. She was shot by the police in yeah. 67? Yeah. Your mom? My mom. Um, so these, when I say these stories are yeah. second, you know, we were right there. Like, we're living, like, we know these people that he's writing about, so that's why it really hit home. Like, yeah. Oh my God! He's mentioning these names. Should be mentioned. Should be noted. Your mom survived that. Shit. Yes, my but mom. Still, 
I'm not diminishing she was shot by the police in this riot. But uh, anyway, it wasn't uh, as if she died there. Right. Uh, Anyway, so anyhow. All right, go ahead. So, um, but yeah, just to read, you know, all of these stories and read these names of these people whom we grew up with in this community and we didn't necessarily know Mm -hmm. all of this rich history. Um, So that just made a tremendous difference, a, a big impact on us. And um, so, yeah, me and Rodney want to do films anyway. Um, we connected with uh, another friend of ours, Jasmine Fuentes, who was really, you know, blown away by the book. And she really wanted to do something around the book. And we're like, well, what What are you thinking? And she's like, let's do a documentary. I'm like, okay, we wanted to do films anyway. And, like, we're connected to these stories. Like, these are our mm-hmm. stories. Like, we know these people. This is personal for us. Um, so it's like, okay, yeah, like that makes sense, but it's got to be done right. Yeah. You know, we can't just go out and get an it's iPhone to, yeah, and, exactly. and, and, and do justice to, yeah, it to needs this. Some horsepower behind it. Yeah, yeah. So we, we just sat down and start putting it together, um, and just building on how we can make this happen. And, you know, um, like I said, next thing I know is two years later, and we're like, oh my God, like, <laughs> It's been two years we've been working on this thing, yeah. and we're finally getting to a point where, okay, we're ready to present, you know, to even tell the community what we're working on. Yeah. Um, you know, so, it, and we, we haven't began, we like, we've done some uh, research interviews, uh, a lot of research interviews, and we're going to be doing even more uh, research interviews. We're asking the public to come out and share your stories. Um, share memorabilia, family history, if mm-hmm. you got uh, old photos or videos of things that you'd like to share, we, we want to see them. Um, we just had somebody send in some uh, pictures from the 70s uh, last week. Incredible, wow. like nightlife. Um, oh. Yeah, like people in the yeah. club. Like it was like really cool stuff like that. And, Amazing. you know, just if you got any of that stuff, you think your mom and dad, you know, old photos of your mom and dad or whatever, yeah. you know, from the 60s, 50s, 70s, like 40s, whenever we want to see it. Yeah. Uh, we're sure we'd be able to probably How did Todd Robinson pick Grand Rapids to write about? Because he's not a Grand Rapidian. He's not from Grand Rapids. He's from Springfield, Massachusetts. And because Springfield is a secondary city, he was looking for a secondary city to write about, somewhere yeah. similar to his hometown. Yeah. And um, he, you know, he's scouring about, and he heard about Grand Rapids. He stumbled upon Grand Rapids and started reading some of the history here, and he's like, wow, this place is, like, similar to my home, but it's, like, got a different dynamic, you know. Yeah. And then he, uh, he, so he visited here a couple times, and then he actually moved here for like five years uh, mm-hmm. while he was writing that dissertation. Wow. And he moved to Grand Rapids and he was writing and doing his research and studying. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, the amount of uh, density to the book in terms of its research, its sourcing is amazing. Like, he must have spent years in old files and archives and pulling up minutes from like school board meetings he, and, look, he and knows. city commission meetings. Uh, him and Dr. Jokes yeah. know Grand Rapids history yeah. better than anybody I've ever come yeah. in contact with. Like They know this place. Like, oh, you can go find this here. You can go find it. Talk to such and such. Yeah. They know everybody downtown at the library, like sure, sure. first name basis, yeah. you know, very intimately. So, yeah, he did a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Put a lot of work. Well, into it's nice book. that it provides, and he's. Uh, you were mentioning uh, maybe before we were shooting, but he is involved as an executive producer in the in the, in yes. the documentary. So you have his sort of guiding hand through this document that he put together, this book, to create a little bit of a roadmap going forward about how you might uh, shape a documentary about this complicated period in Grand Rapids it's, history, which yeah. still continues today. Yeah, which still goes on today. We're still suffering from managerial racism. And so, you know, the whole point is to keep the conversation going. We've started it. Um, how can we keep this conversation going? It's, you know, it's not going to get dealt with unless we 
keep it at the forefront of our minds and on well, our and lips it's and storytelling tongues. that's really going to change the, the the mindset and open minds that isn't uh, you know you can't get everybody myself included to, to sit down and really <laughs> right. really really read really read this for what it is right. it'll be a documentary about based on this that is able to reach a whole different audience right and um but man we've been going an hour and 40 minutes so <laughs> it's kind of quick i want to uh yeah unless there's anything that we need to get in about the documentary or the film i think the timeline is you're still putting some of the production you're you're kind of through pre-production and want to move into production and get some probably some filming done this year i would imagine right yeah um so yeah, uh, Ty, Dr. Ty Robinson is a uh, executive producer on the film. Uh, Dr. Jokes is working with us uh, as a producer on the film as well. Um, and so we're we're coming out of right now. We've done our uh, we did a, a first draft of the treatment, and now it's with Todd. He's doing a revision of that. Um, we have a, a philosophy on how we're approaching it, and we're we're pretty excited about it. Um, he's just really touching it up on the historical uh, aspect of it and you know, mm-hmm. tightening things up. And um, we are, yeah, we're definitely going to be shooting this summer. Uh, so we'll be shooting all throughout the summer in Grand Rapids and doing a lot of research interviews leading up to the summer. So if there's anybody out here that, you know, has intimate knowledge of any of the individuals written about in the book mm-hmm. or if you live through the time or, you know, the uprising in 67 or, mm-hmm. you know, you went to South High School or, you My know. My dad you, went to South, actually. Yeah. He graduated in probably 57, 58, somewhere in there. Wow. Um, yeah, any of the stories in the book, if you read the book, uh, you know, man, we like to talk to you. Uh, we like to schedule a research interview. Um, you know, just a, a getting knowledge, you know, that so many stories out here. Um, and beyond that, like we're, we're just doing, so what we're doing with the, this incubator I told you about, mm-hmm. we're creating a film and media incubator. And beyond that, we're just, even if it's not included in the film, we are documenting our history, period. And we're going to uh, share this stuff with the Grand Rapids Public Library so that it's open to the public now where people can just go and access this history, these stories um, being recorded on video. So it'll be open to the public, um, you know. So that's one of the things that we're doing. We're also creating, along with the film, uh, we're creating a curriculum um, that'll be taught K through twelve, um, mm-hmm. and we're also creating a video game. That's so important. The curriculum is huge because that fills in a lot of gaps that we didn't talk or that we talked about earlier that just exist. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's important to you know because you know no ten year old kid's gonna re- pick the book up or fifteen year old kid they're not gonna read it um, chances are yeah not uh, so we wanted to that was one of the main things we sat down and, and said like okay well adults gonna read they, you know they may read the book but it's really important for young kids to be able to know this history and to be able to uh, have these discussions and learn from this. So what do we want to do? We're going to create curriculum that can be taught in schools. Um, but we also want to create like a video game, something that's going to be fun, that kids don't have to be beat upside the head in order to learn from. <laughs> yeah. They'll play it and learn on their own through their own experiences. Um, so it's, that's going to be super incredible. Um, and so, yeah, looking forward to that, man. And, you know, we're looking to having a... The film done, hopefully, you know, it will be in the cinema this time next year for Black History Month, oh, uh, having a debut screening or something, you know? That'd be awesome. Well, I think I, I didn't, you know, I, I I don't know if I tied up that story, but we met, I don't know, probably 2011, 2010, somewhere in there, 20, yeah, somewhere right around in there, and I, I took some portraits at your house for this article, but then... Right. I, when you came to the studio today, I don't think I saw you since. Like, I don't think I've ever been in. Maybe, I, maybe we have, but I've never remembered think, having another conversation with yeah, you. Yeah, I think we've maybe come across each other yeah. maybe once since yeah. then. But yeah, and I don't. Yeah, but that's uh, anyway. It was great to reconnect with you, uh, and uh, get more of your story and your legacy within the community and the music industry and now moving into film is exciting. These are important stories. You're an important figure in in the community 
that I'm just grateful to have another collision well, with you. you. I appreciate and, it. And now I'll just keep calling you Spice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, man. All right. <laughs> Thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Governor. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So there was the first ever two-part episode conversation so good it had to be split in two and made into two episodes so thank you thank you for listening to this thank you to governor slugwell uh i can guarantee this it will not be another decade before i hang out with that guy again uh he's on my list now gov you're on my list uh of people that i need to touch base with and keep tabs with and keep learning from and keep uh and keep evolving and so, anyway, we're stuck. We're stuck together now, Gov. So thank you. Thank you for that. I hope all of you get stuck in a great conversation with somebody that learns, you know, helps you learn as much as I did, Governor Slugwell. So let's go get it, everybody. Let's have a great week. Talk to you next time. The Full Exposure Podcast is brought to you by Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn in appreciation of the creative and artistic visionaries who enrich our lives through cultural connections.